What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Super pumped. I'm, as always, bringing you incredible guests from all over the world. My next guest is an author. She's a former educator and now an advocate for victim rights. Please welcome Paulette J. Buchanan. Paulette, thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm super having conversation. Yep. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. So before we get real deep into the nitty gritty, you've actually written, um, what, a couple books? Just one. Just um, one. Yes, called Fighting for Justice, uh, Religious Fraud, Mental Illness, and the Collapse of Law and Order. Okay. And so you are also a former educator. That Thank you for your service because that cannot be an easy job. Um, no, it has its rewards. It has its benefits. But yeah, it can be extremely <laughs> aggravating sometimes. But overall, I really I miss teaching. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed it very much. But yeah, it, it is a, a difficult field. Yeah, for sure. In a way, like what you are doing now um, is kind of teaching people a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I make mention of that, that I, uh, I basically have traded my being a teacher in a classroom to basically teaching other people and informing them about the way our country is not being run very well wow. from the state and, you know, local, state and federal level. Yeah. And we, we have a voice. We need to make that our voices heard about that. Absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm right with you, sister. Totally agree. Um, you have a very interesting story and why you are an advocate for victim victim rights and why you wrote the book. And we start talking about that a little bit before, you know, we've talked about it a couple times. So uh, I don't know where you'd like to start because it is actually, it, it is, I'm going to warn everybody. It is a bit kind of a sensitive subject and a sensitive story. Mm -hmm. So just going to give you like that uh, PSA before we get started, because God bless Paulette's heart because she's gone through a lot. And I know other women that have gone through it too. So I'm going to let you kick off where you'd like to kick off. Well, as in my book, I start off at the beginning because I've had so many people ask me, you know, why is your brother doing this to you? What happened? You know, what did you do to cause this to happen? So it, as in my book, I will start off at the very beginning that this really began when I was a child, even I think even before I was born. Um, my mother um, and other family members told me that before I was born, my brother is right from the get go. We're very much against authority figures. Um, they were very oppositional, very rebellious, um, seemingly lacking in empathy toward others. These are very dangerous signs. And even as an educator, I have seen some young students of mine acting in this way. And, and I don't know how much more you can nip it in the bud mm -hmm. if there's something that's either genetic or something that, you know, I bring up that argument, nature versus nurture. Yeah. But they really did not like me right from the get go. Um, the fact that I was female, because I tell people, what did you do to deserve this? You know, what did you do yeah. to your brothers? I said, I was born and I was born female. Yeah. Um, the youngest of my brothers, there's about a, <laughs> about a seven year gap which is a lot when you're younger. Are you, there's how many of you? I have four older brothers and Old just older my, brothers. Right. And just myself. Wow. And um, as they got into their teen years, it, they just became more and more volatile to varying degrees. They also, there were substance abuse issues in their teens and then in their twenties. And I've never had a substance abuse issue at all. 
Um, I, got, I explained in my book how I got drunk once. I told myself I'm never doing this to myself ever again. Um, I just, I don't like that feeling of being out of control of my surroundings and stuff. So I never, never really enjoyed that at all. Um, but that was one of the problems. They've had a difficult time holding down jobs. Um, they've been arrested for uh, all kinds of things, mostly violence against women. They have all been involuntarily committed into mental health observation and treatment. Um, and these are issues which, again, you know, none of these things have ever happened to me. Neither one of my parents were abusive to each other. Um, you know, they did, they were brought up in a generation where, yes, they did do spankings and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But I mean, there were times when, for example, Two of my brothers pushed my mother into the wall oh. and she was a very petite woman. She was my same height, but a much a more slender build. She yeah. just bone structures is more slender. And when my father was alive and not having the best of health himself, he did eventually die of cancer, but he had heart issues before that, um, that he had to come to their defense, you know, to my mother's defense and yeah. sometimes to my defense. And so this was something where there was a volatility within them, I think, right from the get go. Yeah. Um, and so as I tried to help my brothers, you know, as I'm growing up, I'm trying to understand why are they like this, you know? Yeah. Um, but I tried to help them. My mother tried to help them. My father died when I was 10. And I know that probably peers, I know for a fact, their friends try to help them as he got into their 20s and their 30s, their friends try to help them. And after so many backstabbings, basically, that, you know, they would shed crocodile tears after they suffered consequences from their own poor choices. Um, it got to a point where I just said, you know what, if they're not going to act like family, I'm not going to acknowledge them as family. Yeah. There's just too much abuse going on. There's there's too much where they have lied and manipulated. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And so, um, I, you know, I pretty much tried to do everything I could to stay out of their lives and have them stay out of my life. Um, you know, went to, got my degrees, things like that, got onto my career as a teacher, all of that. In, in all various aspects of education from college level on down to, you know, kindergarten, basically, of teaching. And um, out of the blue, this one brother, he came after me with stalking, setting up websites, dozens of websites, not just attacking me, but other people, but accusing me of being a child abuser, when in fact, My Lord. he had been, uh, he would actually, there are records of him abusing his children. And so basically everything he did, he accused me of doing. I'm a domestic terrorist, you know, I'm 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 mentally unstable and and then harassing my employers, um, harassing our neighbors, harassing our friends, everything you can imagine. It was just every day. And we're knocking down these websites, and it's like playing whack-a-mole. You know, yeah. you're whacking them down and he's setting them right up again. He's also a self-professed hacker. He was investigated and warned by the FBI to stop. Like, wow. you, you know, it's ridiculous. It's like a bank robber, you know, like the FBI saying, well, stop it's real. It sounds like something you watch in a movie. Oh, it is. It's, it's crazy. And um, just really trying to figure out, first of all, I did get an arrest warrant for harassment against him in Connecticut, where I lived at the time. He lived at that time in Georgia. Okay. Um, and they would not extradite him for a misdemeanor. And right. even honestly, we were told, even if they did, they give him a slap on the wrist. Right. And that's, that's all. So, um, I had the arrest warrant out on him and, you know, it, in one way it acted as a protective order. 
because it kept him from coming into the state as he was threatening to do. But then he incited other people. We had, you know, some goons hanging around our house. Um, I had to miss a day of work actually one morning because one was sitting in his car with a dog crate. I had a dog at the time. Um, so, you know, we lived off in the woods. We, you couldn't even see our house from the road. So um, I had to stay home. I reported the guy, the guy was arrested. Um, but we could never get the police to investigate whether or not he had a connection to my brother, you know, um, just crazy stuff, you know, where he would put up insightful things on the Internet and tell people where I lived and everything else. You know, my husband and I trained for guns to uh, have guns. And uh, and at one point, too, as it just kept escalating, um, there are victim advocates in Connecticut who said, you just need to get out of the state. This is what yeah. we tell other victims who are being aggressively stalked. Get out of the state because you're never going to get any justice here. You know, we were basically told that, yes, he's breaking the law, but no, we're not going to put out the money. Right. We were told that by state and then federal authorities, including we went all the way down to Atlanta to try to, to reason with the assistant U.S. attorney down there to say, would you just please, he's committing all these cyber crimes that you are aware of, stalking us, stalking other people, harassing people, threatening people. These are crimes. There are actually federal stalking laws. Yeah. We went there fully armed with all the statutes, all, all of them. And uh, they just outright told us, yes, he's breaking the law. No, we're not going to put out the money to do anything about it. And it's like, wow. You know, they put out the money for all kinds of crazy things, but they would not put out the money to simply enforce the law and get him arrested. Um, when you are in a situation like this of being victimized by somebody who is extremely mentally unstable, um, based upon some information that he sent to our attorneys that he was subpoenaed um, and basically ordered by the court to submit certain medical documents because he kept claiming that I was causing him mental distress and all this stuff. And he named a psychiatrist and he mentioned that the drugs that he was, you know, prescribed for his mental condition, these are the types of drugs that are used for treating schizophrenia or severe uh, manic depression. So we knew that if, unless he doctored these, these documents, which I don't know if whether or not he did, but, if these are the medications he's under, he's taking, that he is severely mentally disturbed. Today's episode is brought to you by Honey Love. Ladies, let's talk about shapewear. We all know most shapewear makes you feel like you're being suffocated. That sexy dress in the back of your closet is so freaking cute, but the thought of having your inside squished by your shapewear is just not worth it. That's why Honey Love spent years researching and developing effective shapewear that's actually comfortable. Overly tight, cheap, and sticky fabrics that roll up are a thing of the past. Thanks to Honey Love, you can finally feel confident and comfortable in your favorite outfits. We have an exclusive deal for our listeners for a limited time only. You can get Honey Love's best deal they offer. Get 20% off your entire order with the code LABELFREE20 at honeylove.com. That's right, ladies. Get 20% off of your entire order with LABELFREE20 at honeylove.com. One of the tactics that um, people like him can do is they get on the internet and they commit all kinds of fraud against people. They commit all kinds of scams. And one of his big tactics is the religious scam angle. 
And that's what he does. He runs these ministries um, and he gets these people from all over the world, Kenya, Nigeria, um, oh, in the oh, Asian God. areas, you know, Philippines, it's all over the place that he gets these people duping them into, he gets dreams and visions from Jesus telling him all these things. And, you know, then he goes after me as his like primary persecutor. So the next thing you know, we're getting stalked by people in our area. But, you know, it's just they come around, they take pictures of our house, that kind of thing. Call me on the phone because, again, he is a hacker. So, do you know, you, does he still stalk you? It has diminished significantly in large part because our attorneys told him, if you keep this up and the police have told him, if you keep this up, we are going to haul you in. Yeah. And also my websites, you know, that if he starts naming me as he did in the past in his own chat room, I guess they're called social media posts, um, that people look my name up. And he's complained about, you know, people attacking him online and, you know, dredging up, he's dredging up all these things that they claim I've done. Well, he has done them. I, you know, one of the things I tell victims is if when you're dealing with somebody who is a cult leader, which is essentially what he is, they have made themselves a limited purpose public figure, which means they're open to public scrutiny. Which means if they have police records, court records of any kind, whether it's criminal court records, civil court records, you can post those because the the public has a right to know. That's one of the things we were advised by attorneys years and years and years ago. But one of the things that, of course, he did, and I write about this in my book, is he sued us nine different times in three different states in both state and federal court. He He is an abusive litigant. He has been finally designated as an abusive litigant. He's lost every single lawsuit he's filed against me, against his ex-wife, against her husband. There was a Where church. Did he had get the money to do that? Because that takes incredible resources to. Actually, it doesn't. It does not. It, it only costs maybe $250, $300. You file a lawsuit. You do it what you call pro se or self-represented. He never okay. hired an attorney. Oh, I got and yet you. it costs us tens of thousands of dollars to hire an attorney to get his ridiculous lawsuits dismissed. And, you know, we did run across, this is one of the other problems with this kind of what's called stalking through the courts, is that, you know, victims have a very hard time finding a good attorney because a lot of attorneys recognize that for whatever reason, the courts, and I, I do kind of go into the reasons of this in my book, the courts allow this abuse of the court system They know full well that these people do not have legitimate lawsuits, but they just open the courtroom doors wide. It brings in money. It brings in a need for more judgeship positions. You have a glut of attorneys and there you have it. And that really is the reason why it is. It's a vicious, uh, vicious circle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Keep like the the machine running, I guess you'd say. So do your other brothers, I mean, like who does your family, your other brothers, do they know what this brother is doing? Oh, absolutely. Initially, they kind of gave indications they didn't want to have anything to do with it because they all kind of hate each other. And as I mentioned in my book, they they don't like each other very much, but they hate me more than they hate each other. So like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of deal. Yeah. And um, they absolutely joined in with him. Um. In when he would file uh, the one law, actually, there are two lawsuits in Connecticut in probate court. They wanted to dig up my mother's remains after she passed away. Oh, yeah. It's just insane stuff. Um, Claiming that her will wasn't legitimate um, because she cut them out of her will. And um, 
So, I mean, they, yeah, they've all joined in. They've all helped, but the one is definitely the ringleader. Um, I don't know if they're profiting off of his religious scams at all, but they all have their own issue. One other brother, he also abuses the court system to file lawsuits against people. Um, in his case, he's indigent, indigent. So he's, he gets, our tax dollars are paying for lawyers to represent him in some of his lawsuits. Oh my Lord. Wow. So, oh yeah. I mean, it just, it's our, is, our- uh, pretty bizarre. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. So when yeah. did it start calming down? It started calming down when we started getting the judgments. Um, in 2018, when he sued okay, us in so Tennessee. a couple of years ago. Right. Um, we and other victims contacted our legislators and they had proposed a um, abuse of civil action law. And what that law did was basically identify an abusive litigant. And most of the time they are pro se. Most attorneys will not represent them, even if they sought to have an attorney represent them. Yeah. But they, again, they, um, we got that law passed, signed by the governor, and we used that law in 2018 to finally get him designated an abusive litigant. And he turned right around and he sued us even more out of state, yeah. out of Tennessee, where we moved to, again, on the advice of victim advocates. And um, we were able to get our Tennessee judgment enforced, like he tried to sue us in Connecticut again. Um, full faith and credit. That's what our U.S. Constitution gives us. And the judge looked at it and said, you know what? We're going to honor the state of Tennessee's judgment. You are an abusive litigant. We're not going to allow this lawsuit to go Good. to fly. We got the um, judgment and injunction against him in Tennessee, domesticated in Georgia, in those court systems. Um, the federal court is a little bit funky. And again, I, my book goes into the need to reform our entire court system. This should not happen. Yeah. And previous generations of judges would have never allowed this kind of abuse of the court process. They would have they would have recognized that there's a certain dignity that you have to have in the court process. If yeah. people lose faith in the court process, that's a big deal. And a lot of people have lost faith in the court process. So there are still some few judges of um, an older generation who they see a lawsuit coming across a desk like this. They don't even give it a docket number. They just said, nope, we're not we're not having this. This is not going to happen. But unfortunately, too many judges do allow these kinds of I mean, clearly on the face of it, absolutely meritless, harassing, defamatory lawsuits to go forward. And you have to basically essentially argue that one plus one really is two. It takes a lot of time. Um, you know, if you think about it, you're ordered to go to a court at a certain place and time, and you are standing within feet of the person who is stalking you, issuing death threats against you, all of that. And you have to have your attorney, who's also really in danger as well, as is the court, sure. um, explain the whole situation to a judge. And honestly, in my brother's case, I mean, they had um, security heightened at the courthouses where he was, both on the state and federal level, because of his aberrant behavior, his very aggressive, very alarming behavior. And he boasts about it. He thinks it's funny. Um, I mean, it goes back to childhood. I've seen my brothers laugh hysterically when they plan to do wrong to people when they plan to hurt people or when they accomplish hurting somebody they always found it immensely hilarious wow. um this is it's truly pathological and um you know that goes into kind of the other part of my book you know because i mentioned the, the religious fraud but also the mental illness mm -hmm. we don't have a mental health system anymore 
you know, in the times my brothers have been committed into mental health treatment, it's only been for a matter of days. Yeah. Um, that's not enough to treat somebody who has severe oh, mental no. health issues, no, you know, no. so we need to bring back um, reasonable, sane commitment laws um, for either long term care or permanent care for people who honestly cannot function in society. And we need to set up compassionate and competent healthcare centers, you know, like we have nursing homes, you know, like we have hospitals, yeah. you know, are there bad hospitals? Are there bad nursing homes? You bet. But we don't shut down the whole system. You know, yeah. you don't throw people with Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease out onto the streets. And that's essentially what our mental health system did over a period of time is, is throw out people who just cannot take care of themselves and are truly a danger to themselves and others. So, so what would this book be good for? This book, I think, would be good for um, encouraging other victims of this kind of crime. Um, it would be good for people to understand if they have somebody who is severely mentally disturbed in their lives, either a family member or um, perhaps a former partner, some, yeah. something like that. But it's also good for legislators. In fact, one right. of our own state legislator endorsed my book, That's our great. representative, and it's good for judges. Um, we, um, in January, there is going to be a new crop of judges sworn in. Um, right. and we are going to, at the recommendation of, um, an attorney who works for the bar association, who, um, is a liaison between the, the Tennessee bar association and the legislature. She said, write to the judges, write directly to them, explain how you have been impacted by these judges, allowing these ridiculous lawsuits to go forward. So yeah. that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I really encourage people to speak up. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that um, stalkers or any kind of abusive person tries to do is they try to silence you. Well, right. Because it's, it's they try to scare you. Where can people find you, connect with you, and purchase your book? Um, they can connect with me on three different websites that I have. Um, the first one is for my book, www uh, fightingforjusticebook.com. Mm -hmm. My other website is stopabusivelawsuits.com and stopreligiousfrauds.com. And they can also purchase my book on Amazon as either a paperback or a Kindle. Excellent. Thank you so much. You guys, I'm going to put those links in the show notes. So if you or anyone you know has been a victim to stalking or any type of just issues within the court system that was unmerited. Do not hesitate to go purchase the book, this book or reach out to Paulette and learn a little bit more on how you can protect yourself and go to writing your local, your local judges, your state judges, what have you to, to see how you can protect yourself moving forward. Paulette, this is the part of the show where I like to ask for last words of um, wisdom or advice. What would you like to leave with the audience today? I would like to encourage anybody who is going through this kind of ordeal First of all, you're going to have days where you feel like running for the hills, but you stand up and you fight. And because you have a voice, you know the truth is on your side. You speak up. You find good people who will help you and who will support you. And you speak up. And don't ever think you're not worth fighting for. We all have value and worth, and you are worth fighting for. So fight. Speak up. Make your voice heard. Speak the truth. Amen. Woo! With that being said, thank you, Paulette, for your passion around the subject and doing what you're doing to help protect other victims out there that might be unable or very scared to use your voice. So keep fighting that good fight. We appreciate you for all that you're doing. 
I appreciate being here and uh, helping other people as well. And I appreciate the work you're doing to do the same thing. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Radulescu with Label Free Podcasts. Live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate, review, comment, share, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.